0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast, I'm Daniel Williams.
1: If you take out all of the F-bombs you hear constantly in the show, uh-huh. it's a nice and simple example of how to motivate a team and how to build relationships. It somewhat shows a serpent leadership style in action. Um, I, I as, as I was saying in all the episodes, it, it really highlighted to me or reminded me um, the importance of truly believing in, in your mission and getting to know each person as an individual.
0: That's Paula Turchi talking about how the hit TV show, Ted Lasso, offers great insights on servant leadership. We'll hear more from Paola on leadership in healthcare in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. Is your accounts payable process causing headaches? Mineral Tree provides HIPAA compliant, easy to use, end to end accounts payable and payment automation solutions. Mineral Tree is a leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare, and they'd love to show you why. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com. Slash MGMA. It's time to take a closer look at how you run your business. Metavolve can help you find solutions to the following questions. Are you overstaffed in your medical billing department? Do you know where your physician practice is losing money? Can you easily benchmark your data against similar practices? If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. Go to Metavolve.com to learn more. Our guest today on our second episode of MGMA's Leadership Insights podcast is Paula Turchi. Paula is a revenue cycle consultant who is an in-demand speaker and a healthcare leader who has earned her FACMPE and is also a fellow healthcare financial professional through HFMA. Paola, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Daniel.
0: Now, we are going to talk about leadership today. Um, It's part of a, a new podcast series that MGMA is doing. So to just get us rolling here, I'd love to hear your thoughts on leadership, how you define leadership, great leadership, successful leadership, however you want to look at that topic, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
1: Sure, Daniel. so I would say that great leadership is by displaying um, in the, by, it, by displaying a clear vision of uh, for everyone to embrace. Um, when uh, leaders help their teams become uh, the best that they can be, when they motivate them to achieve a common goal, Um, also, and most importantly, when they acknowledge, listen, and truly respect each individual team member as a key contributor to their success.
0: Oh, I love that. That is perfect. So (laughs) thanks for setting that stage right there. So now let's dig a little bit into your career as a leader. So for our audience who may not know you personally, I know a lot of them do, but for some that don't, Tell us a little bit about your journey in healthcare and what's, what that's looked like.
1: Sure. So <laughs> this might be a little bit of a long answer, Daniel, but but bear with me. Um, I can tell you that I started as a receptionist at a practice that made artificial eyes. Um, I had just moved from this uh, to the states and had no idea about this industry. And as I learned about revenue cycle, I moved on from the reception desk, doing registration, scheduling, checking in patients, to doing what I consider was very exciting, which was billing and collections. Don't ask me why I thought that was exciting, but I thought so then and I still think so now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I remember learning all the ins and outs of billing. Um, it was a very manual process back then, and I remember developing a system to follow up timely on outstanding claims that included taking copies of every single claim and then using an accordion file to follow up. So so it was very sophisticated. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's really what started my career in um, revenue cycle. I would say after three years or so, I started a new job as a collector um, in a revenue cycle management company in Orange County, California. We had over a hundred physicians and supported several specialties. And as I started working with different physicians, especially male orthopedic surgeons, I realized that I needed to show these physicians the depth of my knowledge and the commitment to continuing education by becoming a certified coder. Um, After my certification, I finished my undergrad in business administration. And by that time, I had been promoted to a director of operations and was managing a major project to offshore a few processes over to India. Um, I will say after five years or so, I joined Allscripts. Um, was one of those things where we were clients of Allscripts. I went to one of those user conferences and kind of like drank the Kool-Aid. Um, so I started there as a senior project manager overseeing the implementation of their practice management system at strategic accounts, but then found myself guiding clients how to avoid revenue challenges during the implementation and noticed that this time, this type of feedback provided more value to them than overseeing the projects themselves. Um, so At that time, Daniel, I moved on to a more consultative role, preparing practices for major system implementations, and specialized in engineering workflows, standardizing policies and procedures, identifying process and revenue opportunities, and then aligning these opportunities with solutions and establishing key performance indicators to measure success. And Then one of the things that I, I realized is that as I was consulting and working with larger organizations, I noticed that they placed great importance on my resume and credentials. I noticed that a lot of individuals I was guiding and working with were certified through either MGMA, HFMA, or both. So I decided to pursue those certifications. And I want to say within three years or so, I became a certified healthcare financial professional and then a fellow with HFMA and a certified medical practice executive and then a fellow um, with MGMA. And um, Daniel, about seven months ago, I left Allscripts to start a new adventure after 13 years of being with the company. Um, I was recruited to oversee client success at a recycle cycle management company uh, with offices in the U.S., India, and the Philippines. And Global Healthcare Resource was the company I worked with 14 years ago when I mentioned I was managing a project to offshore a few revenue cycle processes. So we really have come full circle here. I am very excited about this opportunity because, among other awesome things, it really allows me to work with other revenue cycle professionals across the globe.
0: Wow. Wow. You were right. That wasn't a short story. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. I love it. I love it on so many levels. I love that your passion shows through in telling your story. And I love that it just shows that no matter what where somebody starts, um, that doesn't dictate or define where they're going to end up. And I love that you have started at that front desk and gone all the way to these multiple fellowships, and you're a true leader in healthcare. And so thanks for sharing that. And congratulations on all the great accomplishments uh, that you've already had in the Uh, Accomplishments that are in store for you in the future. Really cool, Paula.
1: Yeah.
0: You're welcome. So, um, let's talk about that because clearly you are you are resilient, you're determined, you're creative and smart. But it does help to have some mentors along the way as well. So, talk about that. Were there any mentors that helped you get from that beginning to where you are today? Tell us about what they did and what they meant to you on your career path.
1: Uh, Absolutely, Daniel. I have had access to amazing people that have provided me with very valuable feedback throughout my career. Um, For example, Carl Geffner, uh, the director of the Executive Master of Leadership Program at USC, has always been there every time I have made a major career change. Um, I I have contacted her, I share with her kind of like the contract that I have received from potential employers, we debrief about the opportunities, the pros, the cons, she has been very, very valuable to me, and and has somewhat pushed me to to be outside my comfort level, Um, I would also say uh, my husband Jeff Haggard is also a key influence uh, for me, not only personally, of course, <laughs> um, but but also <laughs> professionally. Uh, we are both in healthcare, so we speak the same language. So you, you'll, you'll find us um, having fun at the dinner table, just talking about um, our challenges and, and how we are um, what we're doing to address them. So, so he has been also a, a great uh, partner to bounce ideas with and, and, and to and to help me grow uh, through this process.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks for sharing that thought with us as well. So, in addition to mentors, I know that to develop and to go through all these different programs, there's a lot of study involved. There's a lot of research, a lot of reading, and just consuming information and education. So, have there been any books or other resources that have particularly helped shape your leadership style?
1: Um, yes, um, I, I can tell you that I really, really like um John Cotter's books on change management. Um, if there is something for certain in this industry, is that change is constant. Um his eight-step approach is very useful and easy to follow when dealing with change. So I would I would say books like Leading Change, The Heart of Change, or Iceberg is melting. Um, are, are books that, that really have helped me frame how to manage um, the challenges that we see in the industry and even in my personal life. Um, so that's in regards to, to books themselves. Uh, when it comes to staying up to speed with current trends, um, industry updates, et cetera, um, I gravitate towards professional publications, such as of course the NGMA uh, Connect Magazine, um, Recycle Intelligence, Modern Healthcare, and either, even uh, Harvard Business Review. And don't laugh about this, Daniel, but I recently mm-hmm. got re-energized as a leader after seeing Ted Lasso. Have have you seen Ted Lasso yet?
0: I see it every time that it's on. I've rewatched some of it. Love Ted Lasso, a huge fan there. So what <laughs> what have you learned? What's a leadership uh tip that you have from the wise Ted Lasso? <laughs>
1: well, I, I tell you something. If you ask me if you take out all of the f bombs you hear constantly in the show,
0: uh-huh. it's a
1: nice and simple example of how to motivate a team and how to build relationships. It somewhat shows a serpent leadership style in action. um i, I as, as I was seeing all the episodes, it it really highlighted to me or reminded me um the importance of truly believing in in your mission and getting to know each person as an individual. The importance of consistently singing the same song so it becomes contagious and like everybody else around you starts singing it. Um, and then the importance of being vulnerable. Uh, he's anything from being perfect. Um, this it, is kind of like really being real. And, and although we find it comforting when a leader has all the answers, I truly find it admirable, Daniel, when they recognize that they do not have them and that you are there to make a difference.
0: It's so true. and as you know from the show football is life football is, is life
1: and I'm I'm say that to a Colombian and that's really really true.
0: <laughs> so do you follow the national team? is that do you do you stay up to speed on that or do you have club teams that who's your favorite club team or are you more of just a country versus club there?
1: So I love, I, of course, follow the country, the country teams, right? And now that we are in qualifiers for the World Cup, that has been my, my passion and keeping my fingers crossed that Colombia makes it and that the U.S. makes it. Um, But I also follow Barca. Um, I have been, although he's left now, but I have been a a big fan of of Messi. Um, So Barca has been my team for a, for a, for a few years now.
0: So are you, are you also a big James Rodriguez fan?
1: Of course I am.
0: <laughs> can you salsa like he can? Isn't he a big salsa dancer? He, uh, isn't that one of his celebrations? Let's
1: just say I can salsa better. What about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, those are big shoes to fill. So, uh... <laughs> oh, this is good. Well, um, <laughs> well, we could talk football for a long time because I love the topic as well. But we'll get back to uh, leadership. And so, um I did want to ask you because you were earlier talking about earning your FACMPE. I've worked with and and talked to several of those fellows over the years, and just heard the dedication and the persistence they've had to to finish that program, but also uh, the leadership tools that it's helped them with. I know that um, some of our listeners are fellows. Some of them are people who are considering. That program, it's not a marketing uh, uh, item here for that, but I know that it is such a good program. Um, what did it mean to you on your leadership path? Talk about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, this, this fellowship uh, shows my commitment to the industry and desire to always strive to be better. I tell you, it was really one of the hardest um exams and, and processes that I had to go through because uh, for the most part, I concentrate on the ref cycle finance side of a medical practice. And as as, as, as you know, and, and the audience knows, um, there is way when you are managing a medical practice, there is HR, there is compliance, there is operations. So since I don't do all of those things every day, having to pass a test on areas that, that, that I'm not necessarily comfortable with or that I'm not an expert at, made it very, very challenging. But it also opened the doors for me to fully understand what the whole process actually meant. Um, so it was very, very valuable, although very, very challenging for me. Um, the other thing that I would say is that it has helped me lead by example. I am a big believer in education and constantly bettering myself. So achieving this fellowship shows the people with whom I interact a path to follow. Um, it probably makes them think, heck, if Paola did it, so can I. So 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 I, I kind of like open that door to say, you know what, I believe in education, I believe in in bettering myself, I have pursued this this fellowship. I will encourage you to do so as well.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's great advice. And again. We will talk about uh, the fellowship and other leadership topics throughout this leadership podcast series. Just giving people other additional resources because you've gotten a couple of fellows and you've just done so much on the executive side of it um, in healthcare. So that is that's just such a cool story. So thank you uh, for sharing that part of it. Um, I do want to switch gears now, though. So I want to put leadership into context of what. We've all been going through basically since about March of 2020 or so. And I'm talking about the pandemic, as you know, as a person in healthcare, um, everybody, you don't even have to be in healthcare. You know what healthcare workers, both on uh, the clinical side and the administrative side, have been dealing with so many challenges during the pandemic. So, what has that experience revealed to you as a leader?
1: Um, First, uh, I would say the importance of flexibility and most importantly, understanding that changing strategies does not mean failure. Um, I don't think, Daniel, there wasn't a plan that didn't have to be changed in the past 20 months or so. From vacations to business meetings, whatever we had planned to do, we had to change gears. It was kind of like pivoting left and right, and that has become the, the, the norm. So uh, professionally and personally, um, I believe that being able to be flexible and being able to do so timely is essential to overcoming um, any challenge. Um, Second, I will say the pandemic really has highlighted our resilience. Um, It has has strengthened our ability to believe that we can do anything. Um, This was an event, like you mentioned, that affected everyone in the globe, so it was not only a specific industry, right, it was not only healthcare, it was the hospitality business, transportation, and of course it affected some more than others, but it affected everyone. Uh, and I'm coming out of this with with the belief that if I survive this, I, I can I can do anything. I and mean, if our businesses survive this, our businesses can survive anything. Um, and and finally, I think the pandemic the pandemic has reminded us um, of the importance of work and life balance. We have been harshly reminded that what's there today might not be there tomorrow. So not everything is about work 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 work. In today's landscape, leaders really need to consider embracing a culture that fosters this behavior so we can recruit and retain our employees.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I want to follow up on that aspect of it then. So, what has this done? How has it shaped or sharpened leadership in healthcare, this challenge that we've had? I know that in just a product sense of the word, we've seen the advent of telehealth, particularly. At the beginning of the pandemic, but we're still seeing it in certain aspects of healthcare uh, pretty strongly as well. But that's from the you know the product and offering side of it. But from a leadership side, uh, what has the pandemic done to leaders?
1: I think it has truly pushed leaders, Daniel, to think and operate outside the box. Um, this this industry, specifically the revenue cycle industry, runs on the premise that if it's not broken. We don't have to fix it. Um, we get operationally complacent when all the KPIs are being met. Um, so the pandemic has has proven to us that there are lots of opportunity in our organizations that we can improve our processes, that we can seek other sources of revenue, and we can reinvent the way that we manage our resources, to just to just name a few. A better way of putting it is that it has awakened our ability to, to innovate.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's that's really where I was going too. And when I think about it, it's it's just sharpened that tool of innovation. It's um, shown healthcare leaders I know that they're already overburdened with so many things, but sometimes it's you know, you gotta just take a step back and and think strategically and and act on that as well. So I wanna move into another section where you are absolutely an expert, and that's revenue cycle management. So when we think about revenue cycle management, talk about it from the leadership aspect. Where are some true opportunities to be a leader in the RCM world?
1: Um, I, I think there are two components to this. One is from the leadership aspect, and another one is from the industry aspect. So so I would say from the from the leadership side, um, there is a big opportunity for us to innovate, just like I mentioned before. I think that RCM itself lacks behind other processes in healthcare when it comes to automation and digitalization. For God's sake, we, we still have practices that go to the bank to deposit checks. So there are opportunities out there to change the way that we do things, the way that we manage resources uh, to be more efficient at what we do. Um, by streamlining these processes, it will allow us to uh, perhaps be more preferable Um, And then also be able to to better um, help and and service our patients Um, from an industry standpoint, um, Daniel, I will say that there is a great opportunity for to make innovation more accessible for the smaller practices. So there are definitely tools out there. You mentioned telemedicine and others that. That are available to to these organizations, but, but for the most part, when they are trying to improve processes, cut costs, increase revenue and so forth, these technologies that will help them um, through these through these innovations come at a very high price tag for them, which is almost forbidden to be to be accessed by the small practices. So I think from an industry standpoint, there is the opportunity to make these tools accessible for the smaller market.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. So let's look at some other aspects of leadership then. And as far as you're concerned, what are some key lessons you've learned and added to your toolbox over this past 20 plus months or so?
1: Well, um, I think um, I've shared most of them throughout our conversation. But but to summarize, um, I will say the importance of flexibility. Mm -hmm. resilience not giving up sympathy like understanding where others are coming from what challenges they might have and and the reasons why they might respond the way they're responding to us um relationship building and most importantly work-life balance i think that in in these times of the pandemic where a lot of us were able to work from home and, and and type and kind of like shared some valuable time with our loved ones that we did not have before that that has that has shown the importance and and has prioritized our world a little bit differently right he has he has mm-hmm. shown that we can do both that we can work and deliver but we can also share very valuable time with those loved ones so so i would say those are the things that have really been highlighted um in the past 20 plus months for me
0: mhm i want to piggyback that question then because um one of the things that, it, from MGMA, one of our uh, initiatives is we really want to help connect uh, those early careerists, those people who are early in their careers in healthcare who are fledgling leaders and want to be even more, uh, you know, have a bigger role as leaders down the road as well. What's some advice? Because you've been through this. You started from a, a you know, an administrative role and a front office role, and you've just moved up, moved up, moved up along the way. What is some advice you'd give somebody? We heard about this story, but what is something you would tell them, um, you know, uh, how you get from point A to point B? It might all, not always be a straight line. So I'm curious um, how to how to navigate that journey.
1: Um, Daniel, I would say that I wish, one of the biggest lessons that I have had um, through my career is um, volunteering early on with professional associations. So I did not, I, I was involved with the associations in the sense that I will attend the conferences, right? And I, I believe it or not, I'm a shy person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what would happen is I would go to the session and when there was a break, I will I don't want to say I will go to a corner, but I will go to just a, a chair and seat and look at my computer and do whatever I needed to do. And then I went on to the same to the next session and so forth. So so that was kind of like my involvement. Right. It was just learning, learning, learning. And that was about it. But very little about building relationships, very little about getting involved. And and I wish I had done that earlier because it really has um has proven to make a difference in my career. Um, When I started to volunteering for NGMA and for other professional associations, my network completely opened up. I was exposed to other professionals that had similar challenges that I did and that I could just call over the phone, send them a text message because the relationship had been built, for me to just ask them, hey, have you dealt with this? What did you do? And 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 it has been so important for me to to be able to rely in in my network um nowadays that, that I really wish and I advise any early careerists to start that process early, to get involved now. Not wait until you get a job, not wait until you have the challenge, but to do it now. And 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 to really Look, uh, like, like, find a few people that that you connect with, and and ask them questions, just like like you're asking, right? What what can I do to to get involved? What can I do to be better? What can I do to to get to the next level? Um, because they are they're what I've noticed is that they are eager to learn. They are eager to to absorb as much information as possible and as much experience as possible um, to get to the next level. So so opening up. Not sitting in the corner to look at your emails when you go to a conference, but instead network with the person next to you, ask them about what they do, um, what practice they work for, um, and then really getting involved with the organizations is is the best advice that that I can give to the early careers and one that I wish I had um, early on in the process.
0: Uh, That is great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. So, Before we sign off, I do want to ask you about work-life balance. That is such an important uh, aspect of our lives, um, even pre-pandemic, but I think it shed a light on it, how much we need that downtime or those passions in life, those hobbies, those other interests that are outside of the career as well. Um, You have just return from an adventure. And now that I've heard you talk, you might've been working as well, but tell us about where you went and what that was like.
1: So you're absolutely right. Um, I, I took a very, very long, long, long flight um, over to Chennai, India, um, but but it was an amazing experience. I, I had the opportunity to meet the people with whom I have been collaborating for the past seven months um, I got to know them at a personal level a little better, and they got to know me, which I truly believe has strengthened our working relationship. And I will say, Daniel, although this truly was a work trip, I took the office and went along with my colleagues to visit temples, enjoy very flavorful dinners, um, buy a few silk scarves and courtes, which are these like loose colorless shirts that are absolutely gorgeous. Their textiles are amazing. And it was amazing having my colleagues introduce me to their culture, which was a great way of for them to share their essence and for me to understand it. Um, and I'm looking forward to going back next quarter. And although, like I mentioned, it was a work trip, I, I, I took the time to, to get away from work and, and to really um, on, try to understand the culture and, and to visit places. And it just makes work more fun when you do things like that. So that was my great adventure. Now, before that, I went to Colombia for two weeks, um, and I was in the Amazon visiting um, the River of the Seven Colors, um, which is an absolutely natural wonder that that you can by foot. And you know what? When when we take time to to go back to nature, to disconnect ourselves, we actually come back more energized. or at least I do. And, and it allows me to see challenges more clearly or solutions to those challenges more clearly. It's just healthy, it's, it's better for organizations when, when we have this balance. So, so I encourage everybody not to not to think that because you are working constantly that you are delivering the most of you, um, that, that you take the break because that truly enhances what you're able to give back to the organization.
0: Oh, that is, what a great story. I didn't even know about the Columbia experience. What was the name of that river again that you were?
1: uh... Yeah, so it's it's called, it's in the Macarena and Mm -hmm. it's called the River of the Seven Colors.
0: Wow.
1: Um, So there is a bunch of plants and flowers underneath the water that have different colors, of course. And then you have the reflection of the sun in the water. And then you have some uh, limestone in the river that. Gives you another color, um, and it's just the the fluidity of it was just just amazing. Seeing it move and and the sound of the water as it trickles down the river, it was just uh, I don't know, very very spiritual, connecting and and um, a great a great experience, Daniel.
0: It, it truly is. It does sound like one of those peak experiences that uh, people get to enjoy a, a few times in their lives. So that's so cool. And thanks for sharing that with us and. Thanks for joining the podcast today and telling us about your leadership journey and providing these insights for us. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Daniel. This this is a great opportunity. I hope that the audience um, is is able to to get some uh, tricks here and there. But but thank thank you for your time and and thank you for what what you guys do uh, because I, I think the resources that you have available to the MGM members are are really really valuable. So thank thank you for what you do, Daniel.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Leadership Insights. Thanks to our guest, Palitarchi. Also, thanks to Mineral Tree and to Metavolve for sponsoring this week's show. Mineral Tree is a leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare, and they'd love to show you why. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com/mgma. If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. Medevolve can help you find solutions to the biggest problems medical practices face. Go to metavolve.com to learn more. If you like this episode of Leadership Insights, rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have leadership insights or leadership thoughts you'd like to share with us, or a leadership expert you'd like us to cover and interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can always find me on Twitter at MGMADaniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.